Hey there, demons. It's us, you girls. Welcome to the Office Goblin Podcast. I'm S. And I'm D. And we are goblins, not cryptids, unfortunately, <laughs> but two goblins on the internet that have many thoughts, interests, and opinions about stuff and things. And today, we are continuing the very important cryptid conversation. And specifically, all the cryptids we couldn't get to in the previous episode, because goodness knows, there are just so many, but so little time. Yeah, it's, you know, cryptids, like you said, we're not, but I'm I'm here, for one, if one wants to sweep me off my feet. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be a cryptid. <laughs> when I grow up. When I die, I want to be reincarnated as a cryptid. Even better. I think that's cool, because, you know, like Pet cemetery style. <laughs> oh my god. Just a thought. <laughs> but yeah, as we ref- uh, referenced in our last episode, this is kind of our honorable mention list that they're just as good, you know, as the ones in our last episode. But but maybe they, they, they fall behind just a bit. Like, you know, we have our favorites. We have our, our heart belongs to them. And then we have the others that, <laughs> you know, we've probably hyper fixated on at one point or another. Still hyper fixating. <laughs> I actually told S between takes that I did. Did I tell you in between takes or last last recording that I wanted to be a cryptozoologist before we started recording the first part? Okay, yeah. I as a kid, I thought about being a cryptozoologist for a brief stint, and then realized that that might not be the best job to have. <laughs> I think that's a lie. So when I actually become a full-grown cryptid, when I become an adult, then you can go and study me. I give you permission ahead of time. <laughs> I'll write, like, a 500-page essay. Yeah, on- yeah, the complete <laughs> comprehensive history. <laughs> You'll be the only expert, which I think is must mean something in the in the world of academia. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I would be groundbreaking. <laughs> Anyway, before we get too far off topic and and into our own little worlds, S, why don't you start us off this time with one of your honorable mentions? Okay, okay. And I think you will really appreciate this one. From Mm -hmm. one horse girl to another, I think it's important to mention, and I'm going to name a few, Pegasus, Uh Unicorns, Uh and then the Kelpie. When I tell you Kelpie is my number one honorable mention. Oh! <laughs> I was like, oh no, oh no, she's got more, she keeps going, oh there it is. It's all like the cool horses into one. Because I'm like, we can get through like Pegasus and Unicorns, because people know Pegasus and Unicorn, but do they know the Kelpie? Dude, if you don't know the Kelpie, you are missing out. Tell them, tell them. Are you sure you don't want to start us off? Oh, no, go for it. I can just <laughs> talk about our uh, favorite einhorn and uh, winged horse. Perfect. So so Kelpies are of Scottish descent, of Scottish fo- folklore, descent, folklore, whatever, you know, right? Of Scottish descent, yeah. And they're a fae creature. A Kelpie is basically a water horse. It's an aquatic, shape-changing spirit, and... What Kelpies do is Kelpies are very similar, again, they're, they're a fey creature to, to mermaids a bit. And they will 
come out of ponds and waters and convince, you know, stray humans, children, whatever, to ride them. And once you get on a Kelpie, you cannot get off. And they take you underwater and drown you and eat you. Which, listen, if you had to die anyway, relating to water, what a way to go. (laughs) And it says, you know, water, the water horses. So the Kelpies can also appear in human form. Obviously, they're a trickster. And, you know, they can be beautiful young women luring men to their deaths. But let's be real. If, if I was going to be lured into any body of water, it's going to be a horse. (laughs) Totally. And a lot of uh, legends depict the Kelpies as always being wet. Like, obviously, they can never dry off. So if you find wet horses next to water, that's your first sign that this is not a normal horse. They also smell very strongly of seawater. Mm-hmm. So of salt, of of wet, you know, murk. It's very quickly distinguishable compared to, you know, anything else. But... Kelpies do have a weak spot, in case any of you are are absolutely terrified now to walk across Scottish wildlife. (laughs) Is it says it's bridle. So anyone who can get a hold of a Kelpie's bridle will have command over it and any other Kelpie. A captive Kelpie is said to have the strength of at least 10 horses and the stamina of many more, and is highly prized. It is rumored that the McGregor clan have a Kelpie's bridle passed down through the generations and said to have come from an ancestor who took it from a Kelpie near Loch Slocht. Question. Uh Because as any wild animal, does it come with a bridle? Like, is this like this magical bridle that appears? How does that work? I don't know. I'm assuming it appears with one. Hmm. But I guess it can also be removed. Because I think it would be much more that the Kelpie would respect you if you were to bring your own bridle and be like, come here, goddammit, and then, you know, get it on there. And then, you know, the horse is like, all right, all right. I don't know. I scrolled down to the bottom of this page, though. And so I need to read off the names of other water horses. Yeah. In Orkney, there is the Nuggle. <laughs> in Sh- in Shetland, there is the Shupilti. Uh huh. And in the Isle of Man, the Kabalushti. I mean, they all sound super dope. So go Scotland. You all I'm got Nessie and y'all got Kelpies. I am in love with the word Nuggle. That's like my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> like it could be anything, right? It could be like an action it could be a thing mm-hmm. right a novel sounds like a little troll or gnome that like lives under the bed like oh the, don't leave your shoes out or the nuggles will get them it kind of reminds me of like the the folklore of fairies ride corgis into battle it's a good it's steed. like no i let me go get my nuggle and i'll show you <laughs> <laughs> wait till you get a catch of this nuggle Oh no, same vibes. But so yeah. those those are Kelpies. I have been obsessed with them since I mean again, like you said, one horse girl to another. I think I learned about them as a kid, and if anyone is wanting a more updated version basically of Kelpies, try the Scorpio races by Maggie Stefotter. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's very similar. It's very good. Mwah. Chef's kiss. It sounds much better than the Kentucky Derby. It is. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad, so bad for those horses, just as an aside, because I'm like, those horses will break their legs. Yeah. Because they of how can. fast, you know, these assholes are making these horses go. Unfortunately. Yeah. But keeping but. it on high notes, though, you were going to tell us about the beautiful, majestic pegasi and unicorns. Yes, so with unicorns, known for its single horn, very representative, right, and distinct. Mm -hmm. They purify waters and uh, will go to a maiden. Mm -hmm. So that is to say someone who is a virgin, right? Mm. And then with the Pegasus, it has wings. It's so cool. (laughs) If you ride that thing into battle, you, like a Valkyrie or something, you are looking so dope. Dude, I think I became aware of Pegasus from Hercules, the Disney movie. That was a cute little horse. I Is it also named Pegasus or does it have yeah. a different... Okay, yeah. So cute. Adorable. Yeah. I was always obsessed with the, like, Lisa Frank unicorns, but then, like, oh. the little Pegasus from Hercules. Yeah. I I love how there are a lot of people. I feel like there's a growing number of the population that will die on the hill that unicorns exist or have existed at one point Mm -hmm. for the sole reason that how is it a horse with a horn does not exist, but a fucking giraffe does. True. And uh, and I mean, a rhino, like a misplaced horn, right? So you see also, isn't like the unicorn, uh, uh, Scotland's animal, like national animal. Um, that is a great question. I'm not sure, but if it is, Another point Hold for on. Scotland. Scotland national animal. It is. It's the unicorn. <laughs> Man, Scotland has it made. They just know. Like, you know what? If we have all these, like, badass mystical creatures, <laughs> move into Scotland. That's it. It's been decided. Okay, so this is also really cool. So the reason it's Scotland's national animal is that in Celtic mythology, The unicorn was a symbol of purity and innocence as well as masculinity and power. Tales of dominance and chivalry associated with the unicorn may be why it was chosen as Scotland's national animal. I love that. It's like, you know, when pink was formerly associated to be a very masculine color. Right. See, bring it back. It's that because pink is a great color. One of my favorite colors. And unicorns. I mean, what two better things can you bring together in one place? I, I can think of very little. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the correct answer. The only answer. <laughs> oh my god. But um, as much as that brings me joy that we are one brain cell, Dee, why don't you tell us your second honorable mention? So I will go ahead and keep it with the water creatures. Why do I have water creatures? Two of them were in my top five, and now two of them are in my honorable mentions. Uh-huh. But mermaids. That is my second one, too. (laughs) The siren and the mermaid. (laughs) We are one. One. Go tell your husband this. (laughs) I'm moving in tomorrow. If I told him that, he'd go, he'd probably just go, yeah, I expected that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'll live in your attic. It's fine. (laughs) But, okay, so the reason I love mermaids so much is the explanations that are given as to why they exist and are recorded in sailor logs i so i didn't know no background about mermaids so please educate me and the people 
Okay, so there are lots of different variations, right, of pirates and, and sailors really truly believe that some kind of sea creature existed because they thought they saw them in the water. Mm-hmm. Two major explanations, I'll go with the more family-friendly one, are manatees. <laughs> oh, so manatees, the clouds of the water. <laughs> I was going to say, are, are, are better known as sea cows. And what's really interesting about manatees, and I think it's also beluga whales, is they have knees. What? Is it? I think it's beluga whales. Hold on. Let me. Beluga this is whales. Like, like me finding out that seals have nails. Okay, so they don't have knees per se but they have thick abdominal fat pads running along the front of their body which can be mistaken for knees oh okay and so it's thought that sailors would be in the ocean and a beluga whale would come up and flip onto its back Mm -hmm. and then like go dive back down to the water and it looks like human knees oh okay and so then people would think that there was some kind of humanoid creature mm-hmm. under the water. Yeah. And I want to say, am I going crazy? Because do mani- I swear to God, manatees are another one. Okay, no, they don't. I think it's just like the shape of manatees that confused early settlers. Because mm-hmm. they are, you know, they're very round, but they're also very proportionate. And so it's, yeah, you know, when when people see that in the water and they were trying to explain what they were looking at, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's it's mermaids. But that's like a Venus of Wollendorf style mermaid. (laughs) Like the classical, you know, uh, voluptuous figures. Yeah. But so the the unfamily friendly one is that sailors were seeing whale dicks. Oh, well. so I. This is the FBI watching me is going to be like, what the fuck is this? Oh my god! So a a whale penis. Apparently, a blue whale penis is commonly cited as having an average length of being two and a half meters or eight feet and two inches. Jesus Christ. That's terrifying. <laughs> so people would see those floating around in the water. And apparently it's also <laughs> a possible explanation for Nessie. Stop. <laughs> Stop. It's, Nessie is not a flaccid whale wiener. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's what people were seeing in the water. And the size and shape looked to be about the size of a person. You know what? Yeah. I, well, yeah, at eight feet, an abnormally large person. Right. But like a person, a normal torso with a tail. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Because the only other explanation of like mermaids I can think of was this thing sold back in the day called the Fiji mermaid, where mm. they took the dried out torso, arms, and head of a monkey. Mm-hmm. So like shrunk down to size, just kind of like. Think of the headhunters, right? And the shrunken heads. And then the bottom half of a dried out fish. And they would stick these two together and say it's a mermaid skeleton or a mermaid corpse. Because it was quite mummified, right? Yeah. And, you know, sell that as a genuine article. 
or artifact rather. Huh. You know, that kind of reminds me of jackalopes. Which, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, could also be added as a honorable mention here. Jackalopes are another North American cryptid where it's a bunny or it's a hare mm-hmm. that has antlers, like antelope antlers. Yeah. And you see them at almost any kind of old Texas roadhouse mounted on the wall yeah, is a yeah. rabbit head with antlers. And it's just, I don't know, it's it's like one of those where clearly that doesn't exist. But it's also, again, so not unbelievable, like a unicorn, where, yeah, yeah. A, some kind of weird deformation of a, of a rabbit and they have antlers. Yeah, that, I could see that and be like, oh, okay. That might have actually also been tied into the skinwalker lore where, you know, it could be a fox, could be a jackalope. Mm. So, yeah, the possibilities are endless. But yeah, no, mermaids, that's... Those are some possible explanation as to why they were seen as actual creatures in the ocean. Yeah, I I always liked them growing up because I was like, they have seashell bikinis. (laughs) In really cool colors, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. But you also mentioned sirens. Yeah, I think sirens are like the metal version of mermaids. <laughs> because, you know, certainly like mermaids are marketed more as like these sweet, gentle, beautiful, you know, women and sirens as well. But there's more of like a uh, sexy but deadly quality to them, right? Because in what was it? Edip- no, fuck. <laughs> the, um, the Odyssey. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, words, you know, searching for words. They would lure men to their deaths, sailors to their deaths through their song and mm-hmm. would entrance them and hypnotize them, right? Or mesmerize them. And then they would die. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what a badass, you know, kind of lady. <laughs> See, I think sirens are fascinating because they're often portrayed as these sexy creatures and they sing to you and want to get you to sleep with them, right? But the history and the lore of of sirens is that they'll sing to you your heart's desires. So it's not necessarily about sex. And this is from, like, posts online that ace pirates would have ruled the world. No, they would just sing to you about (laughs) dragons or mac and cheese or, you know, things that you really want. I mean, if you've been on a boat for months and someone sang to me, I have Oreos, I'm diving off that ship. Right, right. And I think it's like after, you know, uh, unless, you know, you're of the persuasion, like, bunch of dudes on a boat after some time, it gets, you know, kind of boring. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when the, like, oh, my God, this sexy lady's calling out to me. <laughs> you know, but- it could be like a mirage. It could be like a can of beans that's singing to you. But like. <laughs> right. And I just I think that's really interesting that. Even the lore itself is like, no, no one can escape a siren's call. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially if it's a box of Oreos, I'd be dead in a second. (laughs) Shamelessly, like, I died doing what I loved. (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, do you want to move on to the next one? Yeah, this one I love also. I think based in Ohio, but the goat man. (gasps) yes dude tell us more yeah so i guess there is a bridge in ohio and there's different stories as it as to how it became the goat man's bridge 
but mm-hmm. they involve cults and death. All good things, all good yeah, things. All the ingredients <laughs> needed for, you know, a, a curse to be born. But allegedly it was that a goat herder was, who was an African-American man, was killed on the bridge in a very gruesome way, was lynched and um, beaten to death, and has haunted the bridge as the goat man ever since. Other stories say that it was just through repeated Satanist rituals, so more of the cult-like Satanism that we think about in movies and such, Mm -hmm. that came to bring up the spirit of the goat man and you know at at times uh satan lucifer is presented as having a goat's uh head but then a more human torso and arms but then the bottom half also being that of a goat like kind of like a satyr but um that you know at certain times the goat man crosses this bridge it's like a portal to another dimension most likely hell Mm-hmm. Or in which the spirits of damned souls can go out of it, nasty malignant demons. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't part of that if you go to the bridge and you look the goatmen in the eyes, they haunt you forever? You know what? I like I heard you can get like thrown off the bridge. Right. All I can think of, all I can remember, is this the episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved where Shane says his fans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there's also, I think, a Ghost Adventures episode with, you know, Zach Bagans and all his ridiculous glory <laughs> taunting, oh, yeah. uh, provoking the goat man to manifest. Right, and they, like, saw it, and one of their crew members had to leave the crew because they became violent forever or whatever. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> I think it's just more of the work environment with Zach Bagans, but that's <laughs> perhaps an unpopular opinion. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out how to put in my two weeks. This is the perfect opportunity. <laughs> totally, yeah. And Zach Bagans, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> or I no, what, no, was it Demon? Demon. Demon. <laughs> I think he was also saying the goat man. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> Like one Midwesterner to another, uh, Shane Madej is certainly, uh, I'm proud that he's of this region that we are. <laughs> To shame a day is a whole goddamn vibe, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Absolutely. I got all the time for shame a day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is that is a really good one. That's an interesting one. And it's it's tied so closely with, you know, the occult and but it's also just like a normal walking path. Right, yeah. It seems so innocent by daytime. Yeah. It's just this innocuous bridge that you can cross, and then you find out later that it's haunted by a wrathful, vengeful spirit, and it's like, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah, you gotta pay the troll toll. (laughs) But can I just say, when it comes to hauntings, you know, in most stories and, you know, these videos, whatever, all these bad things that go bump in the night. But Mm -hmm. what is more terrifying to me are the things that manifest in the daytime, because then it's like, there is no escape. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Because what's more terrible or terrifying, you know, if if something has to be in darkness, you can always have light, right? Right. But something that can manifest no matter? No, thank you. Right. Yeah, that's the thing that you're like, I have a lot of respect for you, but I also don't want to run into you. Because <laughs> your powers know no bounds. <laughs> yeah, that's... 
Anywho. I know. Yeah. But D, why don't you share uh, your third honorable mention as well? So I would probably have to go I've got I've got two here and they're really closely tied. But yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go ahead and label werewolves. Mm, that's a good one. So, you know, everyone knows your your local lycanthrope, right? Like it's <laughs> support your local lycanthropes. <laughs> werewolves are so steeped across multiple backgrounds of lore and folktales. And it basically, it's a person that can turn into a wolf-like creature. Mm-hmm. Not a plain wolf. Like, most stories are not similar to Twilight, where people just turn into wolves, right? Most stories are a more like beast, almost, from Beauty and the Beast, but no mm. horns. Yeah. And so, I... It, there are so many different tales about werewolves and there are so many different backgrounds about werewolves one of my favorite is i can't remember what like where in the world this comes from but apparently if you throw the clothes of someone who turns into a werewolf at them it forces them to transform back into a human (laughs) yeah i heard that one too and if you state their full name like, if you know the werewolf's full name and state it to them, then they can also be forced back. Mm-hmm. I just find that really interesting that you have this fearsome creature, right, that can destroy people in a swipe of its claws. Yeah. But then if you just have their boxers or something and just throw it at their face and call it by name and just say, would you get your ass home? You're being annoying. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Master has given Dobby a sock. Werewolf is free. <laughs> I, it's, I'm trying to see, so no one really knows where the legend originated because it's one of those that's old, you know, it's it's old as time. Yeah. And some people think that the werewolf made its debut in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is the oldest Western prose that has been found. Prose, says, I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm reading from yeah, yeah, yeah. the website. <laughs> But basically, when Gilgamesh jilted a potential lover because she had turned her previous mate into a wolf. And then obviously it's the legend of the Lycan, or Lycaon, the son of Pelus, Gus. I don't know. That's fine. It's, it's Greek mythology. I can't I can't say Greek words to save my goddamn life. So yeah. Greeks in the audience, let us know. <laughs> but werewolves are, you know, they're in Greek mythology. They're in Western uh, mythology, they're in Eastern mythology, they're in Nordic mythology, like, they're everywhere. And I find that piece to be the the most fascinating part of it. Yeah, yeah, it's like, what dragons are to stories is a werewolf creature is as well, consistent across uh, time and space. Yeah, and I feel like those common backgrounds almost make them a little scarier because if the whole world knows about them before we were able to talk to each other, then did they actually exist? You know what? That is such a fascinating question and immediately got me thinking about pyramids. Ooh, yeah. When you think of like Mesoamerica, South America, you know, in Africa and Egypt, Mm -hmm. they were building these similar structures Mm -hmm. at similar points in time 
So that is exactly it. <laughs> I think it was werewolves building these pyramids. Clearly, we're communicating. <laughs> I like the idea of werewolves building them more than aliens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Anunnaki and all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The debunked. It, it was actually werewolves. <laughs> oh man. Okay, but so so continuing on. What's your next on the list? Um. Okay. So I think one. This is just like. Midwestern Pacific Northwest, if you're in the US, but good old Sasquatch here. But then you think of like Himalayas and so forth, the Yeti. So two very Mm -hmm. like similar humanoid creatures. Um, Again, photos taken with not potatoes, but maybe sweet potatoes. (laughs) potatoes. Yeah, whichever one has better quality cameras. (laughs) But, you know, it's another interesting thing because... There's just, like, so many states in the U.S. when you stop in these, like, smaller towns and cities that the the Squatch is a big deal. Yeah? Yeah. And everyone's gone Squatching, you know, that <laughs> the Sasquatch has been sighted here, 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 you know, all over. So it must have some really strong legs, I'll tell you that. It's getting the steps in, that's one thing. But the fact that it's this huge creature, evasive creature, very solitary in a way... Mm-hmm. And it continues to intrigue people. You know, you have these shows devoted to them about hunting Sasquatch. Right. And trying to find proof that this exists. I mean, hell, there was this case several years ago where a man allegedly found the frozen remains of a Sasquatch and it turned out to be a gorilla suit in the freezer. No, and the funny part is they sold it and then the people who bought it cannot get their money back. Yes, yeah, it's like an ongoing case. Right? Which I think is so funny, because as the potential buyer, why aren't you looking at the wares before you invest? <laughs> <sighs> All right, so we discussed the Sasquatch and the Yeti, and I know you have a final four honorable mention, D. I do, but before we pass the Yeti, I wanted to talk about how, again, it's really interesting on how widespread the stories go because there's also a lot of Native American legend and lore about the Sasquatch. But then there's also, like, lesser-known versions of it, like the skunk ape of Florida. Get into it. It would be Florida. It would be Florida, right? Sorry, so Floridians. <laughs> I'm not. You all know oh. what you do. <laughs> so, so, so the skunk ape is basically this... Yeah, this Yeti-like creature, it's a little shorter, it's a little shaggier, and the reason it's called Skunk Ape is because it stinks so bad. Okay. And most people attribute it to being a very hairy creature living in a swamp. Is is that where this smell comes from? Because I imagine if you're just hanging out in a swamp all day, you don't smell like roses. Right, and so it's it's part of that, it's like... um. People basically describe it. What was it described as? I want to say wet dog, but that might be wrong. I'm going to look up its smell specifically. Okay, it just says it's basically the Florida Bigfoot. It's an ape-like creature said to inhibit the forests and swamps of some southeastern United States, notably in Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said that it's compared to the cousin of Bigfoot. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just like if if you believe in evolution, kind of like when the modern man and Neanderthals and all those subgroups in between started mixing, right? Mm-hmm. So it looks like 
it's similar to a skunk. I feel like I should have made that connection. That's why it's called skunk ape is because it smells like a skunk. And it looks like it's been recorded in, in as appearing in Florida, Georgia, and Alabama folklore since European settlers first occupied the region. Interesting. Okay. So it's in 1818, local newspapers reported a story from what is now Apalachicola, Florida, mm-hmm. that spoke of a man-sized monkey raiding food stores and stalking fishermen along the shore. Listen, so. Gotta get that fish. <laughs> So, and, like, I, I remember also some of those Sasquatch shows mm-hmm. talk to Native American leaders and how they're magical creatures. Like, they're spirits instead of an actual being. Kind of like a fae, almost? Yeah. So, I mean, as as North Americans' version of fae. But, so they're, they're spirit protectors of ancient grounds, basically. Oh, that is cool. So that's why people can never really get them caught on camera because they're not physical manifestations. They're mm-hmm. spiritual manifestations, which is very interesting to me. Yeah. It, I mean, it's either a good cop out for just having, you know, fake photos. or <laughs> If that is indeed the truth, then all the more uh, intriguing. Right, but then you also have people that are like, no, there's there's female version and male version and babies and they mate. And it's like, I think y'all are just drinking too much Kool-Aid sometimes. But if that's yeah, what, yeah. if that's your world building, that's your world building. I don't, I think, again, it's also part of that, like, the ocean hasn't been explored. The Appalachian Mountains have not been fully explored. Do you know we have cave systems that exist in the Appalachian Mountains that are over 6,000 years old? I was not aware of it. You could not pay me to go spelunking in Appalachian Mountains. No, thank you. Though Appalachia is its own universe, I would say. And that's like, you know, with the highest respect like to Appalachian culture and everything. I mean, that is like a very rich and interesting history. But the fact that there's unexplored cave systems is terrifying. <laughs> It's utterly terrifying. And, you know, most people compare the Appalachian Mountains to the Rocky Mountains and say, Mm -hmm. you know, they're so small. And it's like, you have to understand that at one point, the Appalachian Mountains were just as tall, if not taller than the Rocky Mountains, and that Mm -hmm. they existed when the tectonic plates first meshed. Like, that is why we have cave systems that have not been fully discovered and, Mm -hmm. you know, explored is because they are ancient, so even, let's say, larger than Mammoth Cave in Kentucky? I think so, yeah. Okay. Because I think that has the distinction of being, like, the largest cave in the U.S. I'm not sure if in the world, but... It could, like, are you talking size big-wise or size length-wise? <sighs> That's a good question. I think it might be length Okay, because those are – it's the cave systems in Appalachia where – like, I have a friend who's from the uh, – somewhat of the area, mm-hmm. and she's told me that there are known trails and systems in Appalachia that are – it's it's posted at the front of the trail. If you go on this trail and get lost, you will not be looked for. Damn. It's terrifying. Yeah, and they have their own. Not. They have their own like lores and legends. There's a tale of a creature that, like, if you go into Appalachia woods, you can't wear red. 
Because it will attack you and eat you? Like a bull? Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's the same as you don't whistle at night kind of situation because it draws attention to you. Oh, so that's that's just a self-preservation for human or monster alike. <laughs> right. But so it's and it's also the, the same thing as if you go out and hear screaming or conversations like a lot of voices have been recorded in Appalachia of at nighttime people are screaming from the woods like, help, save me, help me. You are not to go. Yeah, it's kind of like when I hear uh, stories or read stories about people hearing unknown sounds and then making the same response back. And it's like, mm. if you don't know what it is, why would you do that? It's, I swear, I don't know how white people have lived. I really don't. How are we still here? <laughs> Clearly a lack of fear. <laughs> Just like, bring it on, Brenda. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I would say almost like the Appalachian Mountains are its own cryptid, and I love them to pieces. I I think it might be worthwhile exploring Appalachian lore. And I mean, caves are just so cool. There's like the element of spookiness of like, undiscovered something, right? So you never know what's what's inside. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, good one. That's a good point. I guess the final one here. So it's another Native American element of folklore. It's the Thunderbird. Yes. Yes. Talk about it. So let's tie it back to Pokemon. So like Moltres, (laughs) Zapdos, Articuno, (laughs) Energy, Uh giant birds, right? Now I've heard of them. I don't know too much about them. So I'm going off of (laughs) mythology.net if you're curious and following along. But so most often, this is a type of bird that is viewed as a protector, mm-hmm. but can also be forced to punish those with low moral integrity. So Ooh. be on your best behavior, y'all. It's like Santa on crack. Yeah, it's much more <laughs> badass than Santa, though. This is like heavy metal <laughs> stuff, just that it's very big. I believe there's like some old timey photos where it looks more like a pterodactyl. Oh, that I've seen, and it's been called a Thunderbird. But, you know, endless fascination, mystery, you know, what is <laughs> what is said, what is shown, what it actually is. Right. But they say here that it's known to give life by nurturing the life forms on Earth and giving them the necessary rains to survive. However, these creatures could also destroy the Earth with winds, floods, droughts, and fire caused by lightning. So, benevolent until it isn't. Okay. The Thunderbird is thought to be the physical embodiment of the elements as well as a noble spirit that would protect humans from evil spirits. There are some legends that claim the Thunderbird may have been a distant ancestor to the human race. So that's really interesting. That is way cool. And here's another continuation of the going international (laughs) creature-wise commentary we've been on. The Thunderbird myth is very widespread throughout America and Canada. There were also similar records of similar creatures in Europe, Asia, and Africa. Depending on whose version of the myth is being told, the Thunderbird can be a single entity or can constitute a whole race or tribe of peoples. Oh. But that allegedly it had started families and some of the descendants are alive today because I guess it can shape shift, um, remove the feathers, wear the beak like uh, 
a head similar to like a monk mm. a monk mask or no yeah just a mask i'm sorry but um and that they can transform when they pull down their beaks and put their feathers on again which is really interesting that is so cool yeah but a lot of different tribes from the Sioux to the Angolquin to the Arapaho to the Winnebago um Shawnee people so yeah very widespread that is so cool I've I've heard briefly about Thunderbirds but it's again it's just such a rich story Mm -hmm. I respect the hell out of that yeah yeah and the fact that it ties it back to Pokemon it's you know just a bonus just a bonus (laughs) an absolute total aside but I did not learn until this last year that it is Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres. That's clever. See? That See? is really smart. You know what? You gotta hand it to Nintendo. Like, <laughs> they know what they're doing. Throwing puns in left and right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? This is also something that came to mind back when we were talking about werewolves. Think about um, certain disorders in people. Mm-hmm. I don't know the specific formal medical term for it, but the cases of the people that do have an excess of hair on their face, right. hands, and so forth, and mm-hmm. it's called werewolf syndrome, yeah, colloquially, yeah, which is interesting. And there are also smaller cats, domesticated cats, that look very much like a werewolf. Yes. But- and they're also called werewolf cats. Oh, really? Just simply yeah. werewolf cats? Cool. Okay. So, like, werewolf cats are known to look almost sick when they're babies because yeah. they're hairless except for specific parts of their body and it takes until well into their adulthood that they finally grow hair Aww. covering their entire body but they've all they always look a little patchy but no yeah. they're super sweet yeah they're super cute google you a picture of a werewolf cat i i mean all cats are my valentines <laughs> so i appreciate them but i i think that's really neat that such a breed of cat exists <laughs> Oh, so cute. So sweet. So would you like my final honorable mention? Yes, give it to me. I'm I'm bringing us back to my my roots here, my Irish roots of banshees. Oh, excellent choice. So for those who may not know, banshees were women who sang songs to lament someone's death. They are, they are an omen of death. So... It it's typical that banshees will follow Irish families, mm-hmm. and when someone is going to die, you will hear a woman screaming. Mm-hmm. So banshees are often depicted as women's like women spirits with long hair who scream through the night. Mm-hmm. It says here there are some that had like I said strong ties to their families and life and continued to watch over them in death. When they Mm -hmm. manifest themselves, banshees appear as beautiful, enchanting women that sing sorrowful, haunting songs, which is filled with concern and love for their families. Says this song can be heard a few days before the death of a member, and in most cases, the song can only be heard by the person for whom it is intended. Interesting, because I've heard of two different versions, and most notably that it's not a beautiful woman, but like an old hag in like very raggedy clothing. Mm Mm-hmm. But that... One, it's either the person who who will be dying that hears the Banshee's song or someone within the family. So it will mean that one of their relatives will soon be dying. 
Right. And it says here, according to some tales, there are evil banshees that derive pleasure from taking a life and they actively seek out their victims and wail at them to the point where the person commits suicide or goes insane. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so there's there's like two sides of this coin where you the have- The banshee coin. <laughs> it, right. You've got, you know, beautiful spirits that follow their families and bring the omen of death. Mm-hmm. Then there's also others, because, I mean, an omen of death could just mean, like, someone is getting up in age, someone is sick, there's nothing you yeah. can do. But then there's also the the bad side of driving someone to death. Right. The first one seems more, like, benevolent, like an angel of death, and even, or just angel figure in general, because right of the protection and strong ties it has to that familial lineage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says that no one is sure where banshees get their knowledge of a person's death. But one theory suggests each family member has his own personal observer who follows them around and reports back to the banshee. Stalker. (laughs) It says, however, this belief is slowly dying out, as is the tale of the banshee, which is now regarded as nothing more than a spooky bedtime stories. However, many centuries ago, the belief in banshees was more widespread in Ireland, and being a disbeliever was said to be blasphemous. Interesting. So it's, I just, I find them really, not creative, but just like, it's not, you know, a mermaid or a siren or, this is like a a, a familial spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool, I guess, would be the, the least interesting word I can say, but it's very cool to me. Yeah, you know what, and... In my culture, there is this notion of friendly little house ghosts mm. that live in certain spaces, like behind the oven, oh, and things like that. You know, yeah. So I, I like to think that not all of these spirits are, you know, out to get you. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, sometimes it almost helps you. I feel like a banshee could then be seen as someone to help you say goodbye. Yeah, yeah, start that process of mourning. Right, you know, while a person is still there, and -hmm. they say they're hearing, you know, either the screaming or the song, just know that, okay, now's the time to finalize their their last wishes. What can we do? It it Mm -hmm. almost gives you the time to part peacefully. Yeah, I, I would argue that that's, in many cases, like a big gift for people, because even if someone has been ill a long time, when they finally pass away, they're like, oh, it's so sudden. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely excellent point. So, yeah, that's why, that's why they're, they're number two on my, on my honorable mention list. Kelpie was number one, but I don't know. It's just, maybe it's also my Irish roots calling out to me. <laughs> Hopefully not wailing or screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of don't go into the light, don't follow the song. Right, yeah, don't whistle, don't you wear red, don't you wear red and whistle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but yeah, dear S, do you have any final thoughts and opinions on our honorable mention lists? No, I think it's a very solid list. Again, look into these fine creatures if you have not, and tell us more about yours. We love, you know, learning about other cultures internationally because there's just so many stories and 
you know, as we've learned over the first episode and over the course of this episode, we think there's so many differences among, you know, group to group, region to region, but truthfully, there's so many that ties us together. Oh, absolutely. It's, you could, you could delve into so many different religious mythologies and whatnot of, you know, when it comes down, down to it, baseline of almost every creature that we have in our histories, it's everywhere. You see the same mm-hmm. things popping up again and again and again. And it's, so it's just like, there's way less that divides us than brings us together. Right. And in this case, it may be in a slightly spooky manner that draws us all together, but it's fine. We're still or, together. Or a hairy manner. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'll be warm. <laughs> Well, with that being said, dear listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed it thus far, leave a like, a rating, subscribe, bookmark, shout us out into the universe, send us to your friends, tell them that we are awesome and worth listening to. We greatly appreciate all that you do for us. And until next week, stay alive, friends. Take care, everyone.